Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today for the meditation of scriptures, let us open the Bibles and turn to Psalm 74. Psalm 74 is a psalm that is written by a person of the family of Asaf and we see that it reflects the condition of Israel during the time of Babylonian captivity and the focus of this particular psalm is the destruction of temple in Jerusalem by Babylonians in the year 587 to 586 BC. When we look at the background of the events that led towards the destruction of the temple at Jerusalem, we see that Israel as a nation had transgressed the covenant of the Lord and they had departed away from the, the Lord's ways and uh, they had gone away from worshipping the one true living God. And we see that uh, the fall of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple were actually prophesied. The prophets had actually warned that judgment was coming and the culmination of that was the captivity that took the people of Israel away from the land and uh, that caused the temple of uh, Jerusalem to be destroyed. Although the ruin and destruction was prophesied, we realize that the final fall of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple shook the people's faith. After all, the Israel nation was the covenant community of God and their faith was completely shaken at a period when God seemed to have forsaken them. And from the position of the psalmist, Asaf is moved to despair. Uh, initially when he surveys the situation at uh, Jerusalem, but towards the end of the psalm, he regains that confidence and he moves from despair to confidence and he knows at the end that Lord has not forsaken his nation. The psalm can be divided into five sections. Verses 1 to 3 is a lament of the psalmist for the abandonment, abandonment that he is actually seeing for God having abandoned the nation. And verses 4 to 8 is a description of the destruction of the temple. And verses 9 to 11 is the psalmist's lament of dejection and bewilderment at God's silence and inaction. And verses 12 to 17 is very different from the rest of the psalm. It glorifies God for having intervened in the history of Israel very powerfully as well as the great acts of God that we see revealed in the creation of God. And finally verses 18 to 23 is an appeal to God for once again intervening powerfully in the affairs of the nation and if it is possible to restore the nation into the status spiritually as well as uh, uh, economically and socially as it was before. The psalm begins by saying thus, O God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation which you have purchased of old which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Anyone who looks at what the Babylonians have done to the city of Jerusalem and to the temple would come to the logical conclusion that the Lord has rejected the nation of Israel. But the Lord has promised in his precious covenant to never abandon his people for they were his precious flock and he was the shepherd of Israel. The future and glorious promises of God, especially the messianic promise, was through Israel and Israel could have that confidence and assurance and hope that the Lord will never utterly forsake them. But even with those thoughts in mind, when they looked at the present reality of how things were, they could not find any reason to rejoice and they could only look to God in bewilderment and ask God, Lord, why have you cast us off forever? The psalmist reminds the Lord that they are the sheep of his pasture, they are his congregation, they are the ones who are purchased by him. They are the ones who were redeemed to be the tribe of his heritage, meaning they were also his inheritance. And Mount Zion, 
which is part of Jerusalem which is destroyed was the place where the Lord had dwelt and finally in verse 3 they say direct your steps to the perpetual ruins the enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary the repeated use of the term remember does not mean that the lord has forgotten anything because it is impossible for an all knowing god to forget anything it doesn't really mean called or recalled to mind what it means is please go to work on behalf of the nation of israel that is what is the implication of the statement in the psalm now the interesting question here is why does god permit a pagan nation to defeat the jews and destroy their holy city and completely remove the sacredness of the temple space and why was he doing nothing about it that's a question that the psalmist is asking here we realize now that the people of judah thought at one point of time that the presence of the temple was their guarantee of security and it didn't matter how they actually lived but the prophet jeremiah went against that lie that they believed and he actually used the very same phrase that they use here eternal or everlasting ruins is used in the uh, prophecy of jeremiah chapter 25 verse 9 and he warned the people that the temple would be destroyed and that the nation would be taken into captivity now in the past history of israel god had often intervened to save israel but now he seemed to be doing nothing and he seemed to be allowing the nation of israel to be overrun by his enemies verses 4 to 8 is a description of the destruction of the temple as well as the surrounding areas of jerusalem which the enemies the babylonians just came and they just went on a rampage there destroying everything that they could see especially the things related to the sacred temple when we read verses 4 to 8 it says your enemies have roared in the midst of your meeting place they set up their own signs for signs they were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees and all its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers they set your sanctuary on fire they profane the dwelling place of your name bringing it down to the ground and they said to themselves we will utterly subdue them they burnt all the meeting places of god in the land that shows the complete destruction that the babylonians performed in the nation of israel during that time god allowed them to do all this and that is the thing that causes wonder and amazement in the hearts of the believing community that god why were you silent why did you not act when your enemies went against your land your nation and went against your temple and burnt it down to the ground in these verses we understand that the babylonian soldiers brought their flags and their signs and placed them as the signs of authority and signs of their conquest in the various places of this land and even in the meeting places of the lord's people even in the place of the sanctuary these signs had been kept meaning now the nation of israel is defeated now babylon is what is ruling there and we see that the sanctuary where god had met with his people that was completely burnt and destroyed by fire now it's very tragic because the period of israel that led up to this eventuality we see god literally wooing the nation of judah and israel to turn back to him the lord never brings on a destruction to his covenantal people without giving them sufficient space and warning and opportunity to repent and to 
to be restored back into his presence the task of a prophet is always to warn an erring people a people who are doing wrong in order to turn back to yehova to turn back to the lord and that prophetic function had been exercised very beautifully by various prophets who prophesied to the nations of judah and to israel and we see that the nations turned a deaf ear towards them and they went on transgressing the covenant they went on working against god and they went on worshiping the other gods now when that happened god allowed his enemy that is babylon to show its power over the nation of israel because the judgment over israel the chastisement of israel had already been prophesied by god himself had been foretold by god and babylon although he was the enemy the nation was the enemy of god was god's chosen instrument in order to perform this kind of a judgment or this kind of a chastisement in the first two sections of the psalm we see that the nation is overrun by the enemy the sanctuary of god the temple is destroyed and in the next section of the psalm we see in verses 9 to 11 the psalmist breaking forth in a cry a lament of dejection and bewilderment at the silence of god the psalmist says verses 9 to 11 we do not see our signs there is no longer any prophet there is none among us who knows how long how long o god is the foe to scoff is the enemy to revile your name forever why do you hold back your hand your right hand take it from within the fold of your garment and destroy them in this section of the psalm we see that the at the period of time when the enemy had brought in their signs and their uh, flags and set it all over the nation of israel the psalmist is lamenting over the fact that we do not see our signs what are the signs that god has given to the nation of israel the prophetic voice of god the word of god was not coming to them he says in verse 9 there is no longer any prophet there is none among us who knows how long and this sad state happened because the nation of god rejected the voice of god and rejected the word of god that he spoke through the prophets for a long period of time as a result of which the lord did not raise up any new prophets as a result of which they had to endure that period of time where god seemingly was silent and that happened tragically because the nation had refused to hear the voice of the lord that is why we from a new covenant perspective we read in the book of hebrews if we hear his voice today let's not harden our hearts as the people did in the day of their provocation as the children of israel had done in the past let us not harden our hearts but let us have that receptive spirit that open heart towards the things of god towards the word of god so that we will be able to receive happily even cheerfully even the correction and the various difficult things that the lord tells to us speaks to us through his word next thing that the psalmist asks in verse 10 is how long o god is the enemy to scoff this is a very very famous question that is spoken numerous times in the old testament numerous times in the psalms always a person who is going through a difficult trial of his life seems to be asking this question o god how long is this trial going to extend and the lord wants them to understand that he has already given that answer this answer was given to jeremiah which he spoke in jeremiah chapter 25 as well as jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10 and the length of babylon's destruction and disgracing of israel was already prophesied by god himself in verse 11 the psalmist says why do you hold back your hand your right hand the right hand which did such powerful gracious 
acts on our behalf in the past why is that right hand of yours remaining inactive he says take it from the fold of your garment and destroy the enemy that is the lament that is the cry that this psalmist is having towards god it's almost like the psalmist is saying god take that hands off your pockets and do something that is the plea that the psalmist is making towards god in the in the language in that prophetic language in that uh, the language of a psalmist that he is crying out to the lord to act on their behalf in all the three sections of the psalm which we read till now verses 1 till verses 11 we understand that there is a desperation that this man of god is facing and probably if we had gone through the same circumstances we would have experienced the same emotions ourselves but then in verses 12 to 17 there is a gentle shift of the experience rather than there's a turning point okay and he uh, rather than looking at the situation that is around him rather than looking at the burning ruins that are surrounding him he now lifts up his eyes by faith and he looks to the holy throne of god in the heavens and he receives as a result of that a new revelation and a new perspective verse 12 to 17 starts off with a very powerful word yet Yet God my king is from of old working salvation in the midst of the earth and the psalmist goes on and rehearses the various mighty acts of God that he has done on behalf of them he talks about the fact that it is God who worked salvation in the midst of his people verse 13 he says you divided the sea by your might and you broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters now there are two ways of looking at this one interpretation is that this entire section verses uh, 13 and 14 is related to the salvation that he worked out over the monstrous nation of Egypt which is emblematically shown here and the sea monsters and the leviathan all are pictures of the power of the nation of Egypt which was broken in the red sea which was completely ruined and destroyed and we see that verse 13 and 14 he says you broke the head of the sea monsters you crushed the head of leviathan you gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness and together in that verse we see two mighty acts of god one is the deliverance from the enemy that threatened to oppress them and to destroy them that is the nation of egypt or leviathan or emblematically some people even say that is a picture of the evil one now in either case we understand two things there one is the deliverance aspect and the second is the provision aspect verse 14 says you gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness meaning the time that the nation of israel went through the wilderness god supernaturally gave them food from heaven and that provision of god is recalled by the psalmist at this point of time exodus event is one of the things that the children of israel frequently look back to as a mighty act of god throughout the old testament we see that that act of god is powerfully recounted and rehearsed because it is a faith building thing to look back on the great things that the lord has done on our behalf in the past and he who is eternally going to be there for us will is able to do that in the present as well as in the future jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore that eternal unchanging nature of god demands that he is still powerful and able to work all these mighty acts on our behalf and that is a great comfort for a nation who is right now facing destruction and ruin that is before them verse 15 he says the psalmist says you split open the springs and brooks and you dried up ever flowing streams this again talks about the uh, twofold picture number one of the is- nation of israel being fed water by the rock that was split as well as 
the uh, the streams that were dried up was a picture of jordan drying up and them being allowed to pass over that land and being able to enter into the land of canaan and we see again in verse 16 the psalmist says yours is the day and yours also the night you have established the heavenly lights and the sun again the psalmist is remembering the time that the nation of israel passed through the wilderness and we see that when the nation passed through the wilderness during the daytime there was a pillar of cloud that surrounded them and that gave them protection from the sun and during the night time there was a pillar of fire that gave them the necessary light as well as the warmth in both cases we see god's protection and providence being highlighted in the psalm as well Finally in verse 17 we see that it is God who established the boundaries of the earth the nation of Israel was not formed by the choice of man but God himself determined the boundary of the nation of Israel and he disposes the people who were living there and he gave the land to the nation as he had promised to do to Abraham maybe about 430 years or much more before the actual was actual land was actually given into their hands it was prophesied that the nations will be dispossessed by the nation of israel and they shall dwell in the land of canaan forever in verses 12 to 17 the psalmist rehearses all these for the purpose of the hearer for their faith to be built up for it is god who did all these mighty acts in the past and also it is a reminder to god that yes god we still remember and we still hold you accountable to that and we still say that you are the very same god who is able to act and intervene powerfully on our behalf today also yes we may have gone against you yes we may have bro- broken transgressed the covenant and yet in your mercy and compassion once again lord act on our behalf and verse 18 to 23 is the very same thing he appeals to the lord for a miraculous and mighty intervention asaf knew the terms of the covenant it was that if israel obeyed the lord he would bless them if they disobeyed he would chasten them if they confessed their sins to him he would forgive them now we understand that in spite of all the things that have gone wrong we still understand that god was very much on the throne and the nation of israel still had a potential to connect back with god and to experience his forgiveness and his restoration let us also remember how did the nation of israel go against the lord's covenant and the lord's commandments we see that the jews the nation of israel had mocked the prophets whom god sent to them to remind them to force them to turn from their idolatry however they disobeyed they did not give heed to that and they continued and persisted in that idolatry secondly we see in jeremiah chapter 7 that the nation of israel had not honored god's name but rather they had turned his temple into a den of thieves as well and we see that there is overall this slackening of worship that was happening all through the land the reverence for the lord had completely come to a, a minimal and we see that overall there was a backsliding there was a degradation of that spirituality and that reflected not only in their spiritual life but also in the social life also in their families also within their kingdom looking from his viewpoint asaf now understands that god was taking them through the carnage and destruction because he was chastening his people had the nation had the kings had the leaders had the priests paid attention to god and the voice of god that came through the prophets and led the entire nation back to the lord all this could have been averted but now that since that they since they did not do so god was forced to chasten his people in this and 
Asaf now realizes what is the next step that he has to do. He has to put his trust in God. Now everything is not over yet. God still has a purpose for the nation. Although it has been uh, it has been taken through that period of destruction, even though everything seems to be in ruins, still out of the ruins, something beautiful can come forth. And Asaf had that prophetic insight into the plan of God, into the faithfulness of God, and he was going to ask God to fulfill his purposes for the nation once again. The very same prophet who preached about the various things that God would do to destroy and uh, uh, cause the nation to go through a period of humiliation also preached about the dependability of the covenant of God. In Jeremiah chapter 33, we see that Jeremiah himself prophesied that God is dependent. His covenant stands forever and his faithfulness is also revealed to his generations. And Asaf was at this point of time, he was going to ask God to fulfill his promises. He says here, remember, O God, how the enemy scoffs, how a foolish people revile your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. We see a picture of abject humiliation and humility here. The nation of Israel is no more the proud nation. Having gone through this kind of a destruction, having gone through the spirit of captivity, the nation of Israel is brought to the knees and the nation is identifying itself with the dove and it is identifying itself with the poor. And the Lord says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the Lord is going to listen to their cry right now. Asaf says in verse 20, have regard for the covenant. For the dark places of land are full of habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Verse 22, he says, arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all day. Do not forget the clamor of your force and the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continuously. The nation had been destroyed, ravaged. The city of Jerusalem had been wrecked completely. The temple had been destroyed and burned. But something still remained. The essentials had not been touched by the enemy. What was the essentials? What still remains? That is the question that we need to ask. The nation of Israel still had Jehovah as their God. His word of God was still there with them. The covenant had not been altered and changed. And through all this, Jehovah was going to show that he was at work and he was working on their behalf. And soon, at the prophesied time, he is still going to restore them back to the nation, back to the land. And he is going to still remain and continue as their God. Look at the compassion and mercy of our God. His covenant faithfulness that love that never ceases to give, that love that is foremost on our hearts when we turn before him and when we cry out to him, that mercy, that covenantal love is something that we remember and that we thank God for. And that is beautifully displayed in this psalm as well. This psalm is starting off as a lament, but towards the end, it come, it changes the tone into one of confidence, one of trust, where there is a plea, there is a humble plea that is placed before the Lord. And surely the Lord is going to listen to that plea and the Lord is going to change the state of the nation. For us also, when we cry out before the Lord, surely the Lord shall have mercy and compassion on us and he shall once again step in to the ruins that our lives are. He shall step in and he shall make all things repaired, restored and he will be glorified when we turn back to him as well. May the words that we meditated upon right now through the sand comfort us and edify us all. God bless.